Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Hour number two of Sportsnet Today with uh, the fill-ins. Peter Klein from Daily Hive, Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive, giving Pat Steinberg some well-deserved time off. Um, and it's been quite the day. Uh, in terms of people getting time off, we'll get to that in a second as we uh, start the sports drive at five with inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. Uh, the big news in the NHL today is the Vancouver Canucks have made a deal sending Bo Horvat to the New York Islanders. Speaking of people who were on vacation, uh, our next guest, Bick Nazar, from uh, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, was on vacation until about 45 minutes ago. Now he's doing radio tours. Uh, Bick, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, didn't get my vacation interrupted. What did we, what did we get you from? Oh, man, I was just hanging out. It's like first, first day I've worked 20 in a row. They've done Sundays, games and everything, and then they call a press conference on Sunday. So like in Monday, okay, I, I can finally chill out. And uh, I, I've literally taken a day to like decompress over the last month of Canucks land. And uh, sure enough, uh, Horvat gets traded. This is the third vacation I've had in the last three years that something has gone down. Like Jim Benning has let go and Jim Benning's extended at some point. So apparently if I take a holiday, something big is going to happen in Canucks land. Yeah, if you could just let us know when you're taking holidays from now on so we can kind of schedule these things, that would be great. <laughs> That's pretty much what I told my boss as well. <laughs> um, so I, I guess the, the first part of this, uh, the, the captain is now on his way to the New York Islanders. Aside from, oh my God, I have to work again. What was your reaction to, to Bo Horvat getting traded? Well, I think the initial reaction is this needed to calm down a little bit, right? Like it's been volatile to say the least uh, for the past month in Canucks land. And you, they, they make the transition from Bruce to Rick and there's going to be just more speculation. And now they've started to kind of close some chapters, write some endings of some things that needed to end. Now they've started to kind of kickstart the process of building what their vision is. I think the immediate reaction also, as far as the trade itself, is it's the type of return I thought we would see, right? They target a young prospect who's either a center or a D-man, and then you get that first-round pick to go alongside of it. I think for a lot of people, they wanted to see one more uh, functional piece. And now, I think a lot of people assumed it would be a younger player than Anthony Beauvillier. I still think this is an interesting move here to get a 25-year-old whose contract expires next year. So they're not locked into anything. They get a functional NHL player who they can look at and say, hey, we give a 60-game audition end of this year into next year, and we can reevaluate where we are with this player. And if it's something that we can turn into even more assets, if our season's not going well, or if there's options that to retain him and they make some other moves around the winger depth as well. There was some talk over the last couple of days that the, the Canucks, or I guess maybe not the last couple of days, but there was some talks that the Canucks might be able to to salvage this with Horvat, um, and then the Kuzmenko trade comes or uh, deal comes in, and that kind of iced that away. But did you think it would get to this point, or did you think there was a bit of hope that Horvat might stay in Vancouver? I've always been of the assumption that this was going to be the inevitable conclusion. Um, the the attempts to go back to the Horvat camp with any sort of contract always felt performative to me because it it would ruin your leverage to come out and say, yeah, we're done negotiating with Bo Horvat. Send us your best trade offers. So always keep that fire burning and we can go back. We can go back and sign our captain long-term. 
you know, ultimately is, is what's what the right thing to do and why sure they've done this. We, we're going to get into those debates for weeks and months now on our station, but you know, results dictate the process. They're 27th in the league and they haven't shown a backlog of winning. At least the Islanders struggling themselves here can say, well, we've been on playoff runs here. If we can get ourselves a jolt, Maybe we can push ourselves even further. And some other teams can look at that that are in the middle group right now, like St. Louis. I know it's not gone well, but they've had, obviously, successful playoff runs. Washington right now are saying, we're previous Stanley Cup champions. We can do this. Calgary, obviously, they last year, it was like, hey, we can be the number one seed. You can understand why some teams can sell themselves on getting it back into it. Vancouver doesn't have a track record of any sort of success here. And ultimately, when you're 20-26-3, and the results are, are going to dictate your process. Vic Nazar from Sportsnet 650 joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. This is Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Vickers. There have been lots of rumors swirling around Vancouver all season, whether it be front office stuff, head coaching stuff, player stuff. Are the Vancouver Canucks done here? Or is this just the first of a parade that likely involves the likes of Brock Besser, Luke Shen, Tyler Myers, or a host of any other names? I think one more name, certainly, before March 3rd. Uh, we've been kind of talking over under two and a half trades or two and a half <laughs> transactions from now until uh, March 3rd. I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Shen joins uh, mm-hmm. Horvat on his way out. After that, I just feel like it gets really difficult to move money. I don't, I, I don't dispute that there's a want and a desire from Canucks management to move a Brock Besser, Connor Garland, and certainly Oliver Ekman Larson, given the contract. But I'm, I'm skeptical those types of moves are going to be able to pull off um, in this cycle here. I think the next window uh, come the summer probably makes the most sense because, you know, Brock Besser actually makes more money than Bo Horvat was. Uh, Bo was at 5.5 and Brock is at 6.65. And you just look the way the money works out for the rest of this year. You're you're talking about like I think it's two point six remaining on Brock Besser's deal. How many teams can fit that under the cap and where are they at even in their uh seasons? It's it's essentially you know, teams that can fit two point six right now. It's like Ottawa, Chicago, Detroit, Anaheim, Buffalo. I think Minnesota's the only one that can. And you know, obviously there's a, a link to his home there. So it, it, it wouldn't surprise me because I think there's a desire to want to, but I think every day that goes by, I kind of look at it as the value of Brock Besser kind of goes up. And this, this management group has kind of shown they're willing to absorb short-term negativity to try to make the right move down the road. Cause I think there's a chance that they explored Horvat in the summer and then ultimately came to a JT Miller extension and said, let's just run it back here. And Horvat's value goes up closer till we get the deadline. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Besser and Garland stuff kind of goes to the offseason. Luke Shen's an interesting name to me just because I think he's from the outside looking in. He's having a strong year. The Calgary mm-hmm. Flames could use another defenseman. I'm not making the natural connection there. But when it is time to trade Luke Shen, what's the return? What's the ask? Is it going to be prospects again? And will they settle for just a pick? I feel like he's one of those defensemen heading into the trade deadline that three, four, five, six, seven teams are going to be in on. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he, you know, remains here because I, I know they they do value his his voice in that locker room. I just look at it and I I do think that the way this management group has talked, they do believe that this can turn around faster. Whether you know we can dispute that or not, so I do think there's going to be a certain targeting of 
prospects and NHL level or NHL ready players. Um, like I look at Atu Ratu, and yeah, he's a prospect from you know, two drafts ago, but he's an NHL ready player. Uh, if there's players that fit that mold, I wouldn't be stunned if that's the kind of the group that they try to target because they try to do it as well already with an Ethan Bear trade and a Jackson Nika trade. Given the way that they look like they want to build this out and focus on their player development, if they feel that they can get a moldable player that's in that 22 to 20 range, I think that's something that they'll try to explore and start to work on that player themselves. Obviously, Bo Horvat was a beloved Canuck. What's the feedback been from the fan base? Was this something that was just, it was a long time coming, so to speak? I know there was a lot of noise about Alvin making what he thought was a really good offer for Bo Horvat mm-hmm. and thinking that, you know, maybe there's a chance to retain him. What's, what's the reaction like from the fans in losing their captain? This has been a you know hot topic on my own personal show for a couple of seasons because I've talked about this is something that they should be exploring for two seasons now, and I've been you know kicked in the teeth over it for two seasons, and I think it's taken some time, and because the losing is just accumulated, I think now we're at a stage where people understand like this was always going to be a thing that happens when you don't win enough, you get to this deadline at UFA, you have to start making sell-off types deals and i think people have accepted now a lot of people have accepted rebuild was always going to happen some sort of a, a refresh to the roster was always going to happen i know rebuild's a hot button word for for fan bases at times but like this had to happen and i think now you've gone through enough stages of denial that you come to the end and people understand uh the the, the next wave of vancouver connects talent is going to feature uh, is not going to feature before that as much as it thinks for some people that you know captain and who's done a phenomenal job connecting to the market as well. Ultimately, this is about wins. And when you don't win, uh, these types of conclusions uh, are, are what bear out. This is obviously the most recent of an eventful season to this point, to put it politely, for the Vancouver Canucks. We touched on Bo Horvat specifically, but overall, what's the general tone of the fan base, having gone through Bruce Boudreau to Rick Tockett, uh, JT Miller, um, now Bo Horvat, the list goes on and on and on. What's the, what's the mood like in Vancouver? Confused uh, would be a way to, to, to put it. Like the last home game, they're still chanting Bruce, there it is, because there's mm-hmm. a certain animosity and venom now uh, towards the, the organization. Because I don't, like that did not sit well with anyone, um, not even just the fan base, but external media, other cities, other coaches other media members that are taking shots of the Vancouver Canucks. It was obvious. They screwed that up. They've somewhat admitted that they screwed up, even though Jim Rutherford kind of walked it back a bit. Uh, There's a a hostility right now because the fans want to see a direction. And this tireless attempt at trying to just squeak in was no longer solving them. And especially the only playoff success they've had recently was in the bubble and fans didn't even get to experience that little mini run. So there's been a desire to be able to go watch hockey in late April and in May and beyond. And there's finally, you can see a move like this and say, okay, they're working towards something. And even if you go back to the summer, like the JT Miller signing the extension, Mm Which I, which I don't think was a bad thing, but it showed that you're trying to do this thing all over again that hasn't succeeded, and you're not showing fans enough of a direction. I think this one, while it's going to sting for a lot of people, I think they'll see a direction now, and if the subsequent moves kind of follow it, people will start to be on board and, and, and trying to buy back a bit of their fandom. 
Is the Bruce, there it is, chant now has that moved and morphed from supporting Bruce Boudreaux and more so turned to an anti-management tone? And is it that the fans want to rebuild and management just simply wants to do a retool on the fly and see what they can do? Yeah, I think the, the Bruce, there it is, chants initially were very positive, obviously, in supporting Bruce. And the way it's kind of gone the last couple of games, it's been very much uh, reminding management that the fans haven't forgotten the way that they treated him. I, I don't know if it's specific uh, directly at any individual in particular, and I certainly don't think it's directed at Rick Tockett. I think it's just a reminder that, hey, the fans didn't forget how they treated a person on the way out. And it was by no means handled correctly. I've uh, been on this station talking about that. They they left a coach flapping in the breeze, and nobody wants to be treated that way. Uh, I think we can all appreciate, you know, being let go by an employer and it being handled with some sort of dignity in class and it wasn't done so. And so fans have chosen to just remind the Canucks that way that they still have work to do to get better. Uh, I, I don't look at that as a, a particular shot in any one individual, just in general, yeah. uh, that the Vancouver Canucks have to have better processes. A few more here with Bick Nazar on Sportsnet today. Uh, that was Aaron Vickers. I'm Peter Klein. Um, Bo Horvat, the, the the legacy he gets, he comes in at what was the the end of the the whole Luongo Schneider thing as Corey Schneider moves out. Mm-hmm. So so Horvat that that's the pick that they use. Um, and in kind of this post Sedin world, what do you think the legacy of Bo Horvat in Vancouver is going to be? Yeah, it's an interesting one because he had a very impossible task, kind of being associated with the Schneider trade, and you're going to have to live up to that billing. And then also being the first captain after Henrik Sedin, you know, I, I talk about entry point a lot on, on the show and you know perceptions of what you have to follow and where you kind of step into the limelight and stepping whoever the next captain was after Henrik Sedin. And even if there was a buffer, you're still going to get compared to someone who's you know, one of the two best Canucks uh, in, in franchise history. And that's such a huge task to, to undertake. And Bo always had big shoulders about it and made such great connection with the community and was always uh, willing to be a face of the franchise. And I think did a reasonably good job with that. And certainly that upholds uh, his legacy here in Vancouver. And there's certain moments that are going to stick out for Canucks fans. Um, again, the bubble one was tough because not a lot of people were there. I, I wasn't even in, in the house for that one. The one I was in the house for that always sticks out for me is in the return to play season, the North Division season. You'll remember the Canucks had that shutdown. They were away for some time and had to come back and play the Toronto Maple Leafs. That game, they were down to nothing. And Borvin has two goals and an assist and scores in overtime to beat the Maple Leafs. And the team was just so exhausted. They were getting outplayed the whole game. And they just kept kind of staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. And Hopi makes this wild save. And the euphoria of Horvat scoring and all the players kind of crowding into the corner there. That's something I'll remember is like right below our vantage point. And it really stood out just how much work those players had to go through to get back to a stage, even play, let alone a win. And just a certain level of relief coming over them. It wasn't akin to winning a championship, but for that moment, it, it, it looked very similar. Yeah, it, it does seem like he's kind of been like a, a beloved figure there. And it, it has not been the easiest with all due respect, decade in Vancouver um, mm-hmm. from, from a, a Canucks standpoint. And it just seems like, and probably rightfully so, even as the captain, it seems like none of it was put on Bo Horvat. It's like, look, all these guys are screwing up. Bo, you're fine. But all these guys are screwing up. Like, that's that's not a spot that a captain on a Canadian team finds himself in all that often, right? 
No, he escaped a lot of criticism. I shouldn't even say escaped. It's, 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 a lot of it was directed elsewhere. And you're right, it is very rare for a captain in a Canadian city to kind of avoid kind of the, the spotlight of criticism. And I think it started to intensify here the last two years. Um, but even then, like a lot of focus was put on Jim Benning, who had tenure had been prolonged, and a lot of people were just upset. And there's a numerous uh, number of moves that people would look at, Erica Branson and Tyler Myers and Louis Erickson. And Bo was never high on the pecking order of, of criticism. And then once a contract gets to its point of expiry, suddenly people start looking at it and saying, well, okay, let's review this. Uh, have you cracked 70 points? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you won enough playoff series that it's worth hanging on to? And I think here recently in the past 10 months, he's been more of a central talking point. Uh, but as, as far as, uh, you know, legacies and all that sort of stuff, no, he's been very much um, thought of as a golden child that uh, came up with that, a very difficult time. Uh, just doing a quick look, the Canucks actually play the Islanders next week. Uh, it's in <laughs> uh, it's in New York. They they've yeah. already hosted the, uh, the the Islanders this year, and who knows where Horvat will end up after this. Um, you've, we've kind of talked about rebuild or not rebuild. Um, it, do you think that this is a fan base that would be ready for like just a full on teardown in Vancouver right now? Yes, they would. Um, I don't know how deep. Like, like when we have those conversations on our station, I try to stop it at. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and that's really about it. I think if you traded, if you went that deep, fans would kind of question, okay, like, how long is this actually going to take? Because you're not guaranteeing anything when you rebuild. It's just you're guaranteeing de- destructing the roster, which is fine, but you're not guaranteeing success. I think if people looked at those two players and said, let's slow our roll here, and we finally have a D-man in this organization that we can see who's future-proof to the game as well, and with Elias Pettersson, who's now on pace for a 100-point season, if it got to that stage, I think fans would kind of push back. But by and large, I, I think you can throw Atu Ratu in this group now. It's like, all right, we want to hang out to him because we're excited about something that's moving forward. But for the most part, uh, I think most fans would accept a full, full rebuild because finishing 27th should dictate that you're in a rebuild phase anyways. Um, looking at the, the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow this year for a, a rebuilding team, someone is coming away with Connor Bedard. Um, the script almost writes itself. He's from North Vancouver. He's talked about his uh, affinity for the Canucks as a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find the John Tavares pajamas picture featuring Connor Bedard in Canucks pajamas somewhere. Um, quite frankly, do you think the Canucks are going to be bad enough to be in those sweepstakes or have they already done too well, even at 20, 26 and three to think that going that low in the, the draft would be reasonable? Well, they're what? 10 points away from Columbus right now. It was a four point game uh, the other day. So it kind of pushed <laughs> it to 10 points. Um, it's a lottery, right? Like Columbus has 25% chance at first. I, I can kind of see the Canucks maybe slipping down to fourth best, but that's really about as far as I can see them going. I think it's going to be so tough to find uh, to, to find the, the, the capability to be bad enough to catch Chicago uh, and Columbus and probably Anaheim to that degree. But like, like they're certainly not going to play better without Bo Horvat. Um, I, I can kind of see them maybe catching Arizona, but that's as far as I'll go. And then to me, that's your we're, we're arguing about two percentage points. I think if you're if you're in the top seven, I think you're in the mix to win the draft lottery. After that, I don't think they're going to be bad enough to catch Columbus. 
Yeah, at 43 points, the Canucks might already have, like, clinched not being as bad as Columbus. Like, uh, unless they're playing the Flames, that is a bad, bad hockey team out in Columbus. It's it's rough. Like, Chicago came through here and watching that game. That's because we're getting ready for post-game. It's, it, I just don't see 65 points from Chicago and Columbus uh, at all. Uh, Vancouver might hit 70, but those two teams in particular are exceptionally bad. Yeah, it's, it, it's quite terrible uh, out there. There's a few that are... Just so committed to the the tank this season. It, it's really quite impressive. Uh, Bick, thank you so much for, for doing this on uh, your first day off in a month and a half. Uh, we greatly appreciate it and look forward to Brock Besser getting traded the next time you have like a lunch break or something. Yeah, I think it's uh, June 14th is when I'm taking off. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll earmark that day if you're here in a pool or something like that. Yeah, all right. So Rick Talkett fired June 14th. Uh, <laughs> Bick, thanks for this. Have a good one. Whenever you guys want. Thanks. Um, there you go. The Vancouver Canucks, it's certainly, I can't imagine doing this out there because it is Oof. never boring around that team. You know, we're talking about, oh, should Lucic play this high in the lineup? What do you do in goal? They're talking about, hey, this historically awful way to um, handle a, a coaching firing. How about that? Oh, just traded away the captain. What should we do next? That would be I mean, just content everywhere. Well, I mean, and you can go down the list of players that they're likely going to have to have long, hard, honest conversations about as to whether or not they want to retain them. Elliot Friedman, uh, not, I think just within the last 48, 72 hours, had mentioned Besser being a name that they'll explore, um, Tyler Myers being a name that they'll explore. I think he even alluded to Thatcher Demko being somebody that they have to take a look at and have a conversation about. Like, this is not over if you're the no. Vancouver Canucks. This is a long process that is going to be, I don't want to say, there's no, it's no rip the Band-Aid off the situation. This no. is, this is not, uh, this is major surgery that they'll be undertaking in order to become a team that's not going to be fifth, sixth, seventh in the Pacific Division like they have been this season. I mean, he, uh, Vic said it there. Um, also, thank you to, to Vic for joining us yes. on, uh, on a uh, holiday day down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. The only untouchables there right now would probably be Patterson and Hughes, right? Like, think? I, I, think, I think JT Miller has made himself untouchable because he kind of sucks and he's making $8 million next year. But, um, like, in terms of guys who you're hanging up right away, I, I still think Patterson is that guy and I still think Hughes is that dude. After that, I'm I'm open to anything on this roster. Well, they certainly have a lot of attractive pieces if you're one of the other 31 NHL teams thinking that you can snag a Brock Besser. You might not like his contract at 6.65 million. However, he should be, air quotes, should be a perennial 25 to 30 goal scorer. And last I checked, every team loves to have as much scoring as they possibly can. You've got a veteran defenseman who's going to be highly sought after at the trade deadline in a Luke Shen. I could see some teams kicking around in the offseason, some Tyler Myers conversation. There's just so many pieces to pluck off of the scrap heap, if you will, <laughs> from the Vancouver Canucks right now. It'll really be curious to see how they go about their business, obviously starting off with the most major piece in Bo Horvat today. Yeah, so uh, it is Bo Horvat on his way to the Islanders for Anthony Bavillier, Arurati, and a protected uh, first-round pick. Uh, the, it is a top 12 protection for that one. So the, the Canucks, like you said, the major surgery has begun as their captain is on his way to the Islanders. This was Inside Hockey for Calgary Co-op. Cal and Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op.
Uh, so this raises one hilarious question around Bo Horvat and a certain NHL event happening this weekend. We will discuss who does Bo Horvat play for in the All-Star game? Plus more of your texts at 960-960 as we continue with the Sports Drive at 5 here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Putting a bow on Sportsnet today, Peter Klein and Aaron Vickers with you. I'm Peter Klein from Daily Hive. He is Aaron Vickers, also from Daily Hive and NHL.com. You seem very excited about something. Yeah, was that intentional? Putting a bow on it? Yeah. Oh, because it... Oh, yeah! That was not intentional, no. Oh, oh. look at that. You're I'm, so good, you don't even know that you're good. Yeah, don't even recognize my oh, own brilliance. That's why no. I got so... I'm a... <laughs> I love a good pun. I love a good dad joke. All that terrible humor, yeah. that eye rolls, everything. I'm all about it. So when you said putting a bow on it, <laughs> oh man, I just about fainted. It was so oh, good. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for terrible humor, you, you have the right co-host for the next three days. Uh, th- this is Sportsnet Today. Uh, uh, Pat Steinberg is on a well-deserved vacation trying to earn back what he lost in the uh, the Best Bet segment from a week ago. Um, he is off enjoying his vacation. So it is Aaron and I for the next few days. Uh, the text line has been almost embarrassingly nice to me today. So thank you to everyone. Uh, I have seen all of them. I do greatly appreciate it. Uh, no, I'm not back full time. This is for a limited time only. I think that the text line needs to dial back their appreciation for you a little <laughs> bit, just so that you don't leave with this massive ego. Right. Yeah. Cause that's what you're known for is, is big massive ego. ego. Yeah. No, if there's one thing about my time yeah. here, uh, it's that I, I got big up too much and just was way too full of myself. Um, by, by the time everything came to a, a, a screeching halt. So no, you're right. Everyone just needs to be a bit more mean to me. There was one concussion joke. Just say, how many concussions have you had since you, uh, since you left the air? The answer is surprisingly none. But uh, yeah, no, everyone's been very, very nice to me so far on the, uh, the old fan feedback line. Um, this is the Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com. Uh, we're learning a bit more about the Bo Horvat, Anthony Bavillier, and others trade between the Canucks and the Islanders. Sounds like Vancouver is retaining 25% of Horvat's salary, which is... Uh, not overly surprising. It's the contract's up at the end of the year. So it's, I mean, why it's not, not if you're lot, Vancouver? Yeah. yeah. I think that that makes what's coming up this weekend just a little bit more interesting. Not so much the 25% retention <laughs> right. part, but the fact that we now have a Pacific Division All-Star who plays in the Metro. Yes. So How now what do we that? do? What's the, what's the secret here, Kleiner? Tell me what's going to happen. Well, first off, I have to credit you. Um, because you had the pull of all polls, uh, with, uh, the, the precedence for this, if we're on suits looking for, for legal precedence, um, because yes, Bo Horvat is a Pacific division all-star and, uh, he has now been traded to the metropolitan division. So what team does he play for is the first time Bo Horvat is going to be skating on NHL ice with an Islanders jersey or an Islanders logo on a jersey going to be in the all-star game? How, how do they handle this? I, quite frankly, I don't know if there is a right answer, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or a wrong answer, uh, but you, you have found some precedence for this, have you not? Yes, yeah, so Sandus Oslinch, 20 years ago, I would say to the date, but I don't know exactly when the all-star game was in 2003, was named an Eastern Conference all-star as a member of the Florida Panthers, but was traded to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks a few days before. So he played in the All-Star game, which ironically enough was in Sunrise, Florida 
for the East, but he didn't attend the skills competition because he didn't want to wear a Panthers jersey in it. <laughs> the league fined him an undisclosed amount for missing the skills competition, and his jersey didn't have a patch on the shoulder of the team he was representing. Now, we've seen this a couple of times. The more recent example would be John Scott in the All-Star game. The All-Star jerseys, which I think this year... Little Miami Vice-ish. I think they look awesome. Yeah. You can disagree with me if you want. Wouldn't was, dream of it. I was kind of hoping because then we could brawl and I, well, I wouldn't give you a concussion. But <laughs> No, it's easier than you think. So there'll be a team patch on every shoulder. I'm going to go out and wager that Bo Horvat represents the Pacific Division with double all-star game patches both on his left shoulder and his right shoulder, sort of indicating that he's a... Well, free agent wouldn't be the right term because he's obviously property of the New York Islanders, but I think that he will still represent Team Pacific. There just won't be an Islanders logo nor a Vancouver Canucks logo on his shoulder. And this is interesting because this will actually be the fourth time that an All-Star game participant has been traded in and around the vicinity of the All-Star game. Before Sanders Ozlinch in 2003, it was Bob Kudelski in 1994. Now, he didn't switch conferences. He was playing for the Ottawa Senators was traded to the Florida Panthers. <laughs> what happened was he represented the Panthers and the Ottawa Senators sent Alexei Yashin, a rookie Alexei Yashin, to the game to represent them. Kudelsi had two goals. Yashin scored twice, and I believe he might have been the MVP. Oh, wow. Then we have Bernie Nichols in 1990, went from the Los Angeles Kings to the New York Rangers. Again. This is there. This has happened. Yeah, but it's super curious. It hasn't happened in twenty years, and it's so hilarious. That but it's, it's like it, it's gonna. And well, what's funny is he's not gonna be the lone. I can't even say member of the Vancouver Canucks. But is that gonna be weird? Is it gonna be awkward when he sits in a stall next to Elias Pettersson? And <laughs> hey, uh, how's it going? I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're buds. But oh, I would assume, yeah. But still, just a little. And I can't imagine a scenario where that doesn't happen. Where suddenly Bo Horvat is traded to the Metro division for the All-Star game, and suddenly yeah. they get the expanded roster and, and another fill-in from Vancouver or whoever might have been up next in the fan vote because that's how Bo Horvat got to the All-Star game was via the fan vote. Just curious. It's just one of those little wrinkles that adds to All-Star weekend, which can be controversial is not the right polarizing maybe polarizing i think is a good one I, mean, I think that's a good term i'd be curious to see what the text line has to say about their likes or dislikes for the nhl all-star game at 960 but for you kleiner what intrigues you whether it be bo horvat or something else heading into this i want to say skills showcase but there is still a little bit of scratch on the line here yeah i um first off i hope Pedersen and horvat get paired up together um and i hope they just light it up like, they are the duo of the All-Star game and just absolutely like, hey, Canucks management, maybe this is what could have been, maybe not. We're just playing three-on-three three and it's All-Star game, but I think that would be hilarious if for the last time that Horvat and Pedersen play together, they just absolutely rake it up um, in that game. I... Uh, I think that the big conversation this year has been around, does every team need representation in the All-Star game? And I, I, I'm i a little bit surprised. I find myself on the, the outside of this discussion because I, I do think every team should have at least one player in it. And coming from a different sport, but like growing up a Blue Jays fan, they weren't very good. Um, and so it was fun at one time a year to hear Joe Buck and Tim McCarver talk about how great Roy Halladay was 
on a Blue Jays team that was 35 games back already at the All-Star break, you know? And it was good to hear him get talked about amongst the greats of the game. It was nice to see Carlos Delgado get his spotlight for a couple of moments in the All-Star game. Um, And, like, out here in Calgary, it's not necessarily the same thing because, A, Canadian teams aren't exactly lacking for coverage. B, there's always been a dude for a while, right? Like, Jerome McGinley, whether there was a representative from each team or not, was going to the All-Star game every year. And then after that, Johnny Gaudreau was going to the All-Star game every year. So you haven't been lacking for that. But I, I just think it does actually matter a little bit for uh, an Arizona Coyotes fan to have Clayton Keller out there feeding Miko Rantanen one-timers and just to have the national announcers talking about how good he is. Um, Should that come at the expense of other players? Probably not. Like, you can just expand the rosters. It's the All-Star game. Who cares? Just allow a bunch of dudes to come in. But I I do think that it matters that you have someone from each market um, going to this game. And I think the most important one is the newest one in Seattle. And now they're yes. not even going to have someone there. Yeah. I was going to, uh, I was going to toss a question your way. I was going to lob something at you here. Matty Beniers will not participate in the all-star game because of an injury. He has been replaced not by Jared McCann. Nope. Not by any number of Seattle Kraken players. Instead, Chandler Stevenson of the Vegas Golden Knights will go represent team specific, specific <laughs> team Pacific at the all-star game game. No Seattle Kraken player. How do you feel? I think it's a mistake. Like, and, and again, look at the end of the day, who cares? And th- that's not to belittle the segment we're talking about, uh, because I do think this is a conversation piece, but um, at, at the end of the day, I don't think it, it's going to like crush the NHL or anything, but I do think like Seattle, This is your newest franchise. And last year didn't go great. But now you have a team that is battling for first place in the Pacific Division. You have a a team that has been really fun to watch. And there's been a number of players that are the reason for that. It'd be great to see Matty Beneers there because of how exciting a young player he has been. But I do think you need some kind of Seattle Kraken representation there. Like, it'd be awesome to be able to put on a billboard, all-star McCann or whoever like I think that would have been great um it's hilarious that I guess now the Canucks literally only have one player but the Canucks would have two players going to this all-star game and they've been a tire fire inside of a dumpster fire um and the Seattle Kraken who could be leading the division are going to be uh all-star less going into this one like I I just think it's a missed opportunity I I think it would be nice for your newest franchise to have someone there yeah I I don't understand why they wouldn't automatically just replace veneers with the Burkowski and McCann or whomever to make sure you have that represent your franchise isn't even two seasons old in terms of actual gameplay right I find that it would be important for that market to have a face represented at that game just to get that market excited a little bit not that they need any more reason to be excited about their team they've a real dramatic turnaround from year one to year two where they're knocking on the door in the Pacific Division in terms of you know a Pacific Division title now granted there's still 30 some odd games left to go but for me, it's a little bit of a miss. Yeah. What isn't a miss for me is a couple of the uh, skills competition events coming up in Sunrise, Florida, including Splash Shot <laughs> and Pitch and Puck. Have you oh, heard of these? No, I have not. Pitch and, putt, pitch and Puck is going to be a hybrid golf hockey event. It's going to take place on a golf hole, par four. The team that gets the puck in the hole with the fewest amount of strokes is going to win. To me, you can't mix anything more Florida and anything more (laughs) hockey in terms of a player than 
golf and a couple slap shots to get you down the the fairway. Yeah. It just opens yourself up to any number of jokes. So, yeah, of course, the guy from the Vancouver Canucks is good at the golf one. He's been golfing every year during the playoffs. But <laughs> right. Like it, it sets yourself up for for all of those. But that one, I it's kind of fun. And that's that at the end of the day, that would that's what this is about, yes. right? Like you're not going you're not introducing anyone new to the sport at this point. You're not, oh my god, look, did you see what they did at the swimming pool in Las Vegas? I have to watch the sport of hockey now. Like people are aware hockey exists. This is more just have fun with it. This is a fun event for the fans. It's so the NHL can <laughs> with a bunch of sponsors. And that's that's basically it, right? Like this is not something to be taken seriously. So have as much fun with it as you possibly can. So here's Splash Shot, which will actually not happen in Sunrise. It's happening in Fort Lauderdale. The single elimination tournament, pitting the All-Stars head-to-head with target shooting before trying to dunk their opponents. I think the Now, my interpretation of this is that their opponent is going to be in a dunk tank, and to complete your set, you have to hit the shot that knocks them into the water. I love that. Oh, that is so good. And now again, tying it in, I want Horvat to be the one dunking Pedersen. Like I Ooh. want Canuck v. Canuck to, to, to be doing that. I can't imagine they would match Pacific with Pacific like that, but I think that would be funny. You mean the specific division? The spe- I, he I, specifically I, plays for that division. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Horvat doesn't specifically play for the Pacific anymore. That is um, correct. But we'll see where he specifically fits in. As uh, Yeah, let us know on the text line where you guys are at in the All-Star game. Are you someone like can't miss every year? Skills competition, so much fun. Awesome to see the guys just like having some fun in the three-on-three. Do you hate it? Is there something that could bring you back to it? If you do, let us know on the text line 960-960. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Vickers. We are continuing from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, brought to you by Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. We are your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. We are all things basement Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Where are you on the all-star format going four divisions and how tempted would you be? Peter Klein, you're the showrunner, you're the commissioner, you're the man in charge. As it should be. Would you go back to the draft format, have all the representatives up on the stage, pick two captains, preferably the most hilarious of the bunch, yeah, and mic everyone up and just let it go in a draft format where you're just playing, you know, 20 versus 20 as opposed to having the division split up. I a hundred percent would. Um, I, I would do the, the, the draft setup in a heartbeat. I think that was must see television. We finally had the opportunity to have these players have a bit of personality shown for the first time in any NHL setting ever. Uh, let them have some booze and just absolutely go wild with it. I, I think that was made for television. I think it was hilarious. The NBA is still doing it. I, I still, to this day, see from a year ago clips of Kevin Durant picking Rudy Gobert over James Harden, who had just asked for a trade <laughs> away from the Brooklyn Nets at that time. I, I think that would be amazing. And again, you could have, with this situation, with Pedersen and Horvat, not that uh, Elias Pedersen would be Mr. Personality or my first choice for uh, captain, but having something like that where you're just, you keep passing on a rival, keep passing on a rival, you know, like have um, Nazem Kadri pass on Connor McDavid uh, or like just stuff like that. You know, like I think you can tie it in. I think it would be so much fun. I get, oh, one player has to be picked last. As someone who got picked last a bunch, <laughs> you get over it eventually. And I didn't have millions of dollars to deal with it with. So, uh, Suck it up. It, it, give them a car like they did a couple of years, um, uh, a Bill couple Kessel. of years ago. Bill Kessel. Yeah. I, I, 
It was perfect. It was so much fun. Why can't we just have fun? And you know what would be the easy way around the whole, oh, he was picked last debate? Two captains up on the stage, 30-second timeout, declare who's going last right off the hop. <laughs> be like, you are going last. Connor McDavid, you're going last. Yeah. Here's why. Ends all the controversy. No hurt feelings. Now, granted, the second last player picked would, would have a lot of that directed towards them. Yeah. But hey, it's all for fun. They're out there. They have, there's a purse on the line. Last player pick gets a car, so on and so forth. You know, if you really want to be feel good, donate it to somebody who needs it a little bit more than you. It was a yeah. Honda CRZ or CRZ, depending on where you're <laughs> listening from, that Phil Castle received. Chances are that's not in his garage anymore. I imagine it went somewhere else. No. Yeah. But have some fun. Like you yeah. said, show some personality. It'd be great. One thing I would like to see them do with the All-Star game, and I've kind of said this for a few years, because, like, uh, again, I don't think the NHL is hurting because Alex Ovechkin doesn't go to the All-Star game every year, but I do think it would be fun, and I I think it would be preferable. I would rather, instead of having a couple of random regular season games do this, I'd like the All-Star game to be the outdoor game. I think that it would be a diff- different atmosphere for everything. It's still this crazy event that you can have. You can still do the night before, like there in Florida this year. You can have it at Raymond James Stadium or whatever. I guess that's Tampa Bay, but um, have it wherever football stadium equivalent. Um, I guess it takes Calgary out of the running because that would be quite the thing. Yeah, the All Star Game at McMahon in um, January, right? Well, yeah, February, I guess. February. But yeah. I mean, we're, they're doing All Star Games outdoors in January, or doing regular season games in January and February. I think it would be. Such a cool showcase. I think you would get the best players there. And then it turns a spectacle into a spectacle instead of random regular season game that a couple of teams play every year into a, a spectacle. I think that would be a real cool thing to maybe get a few more people in. I think you get a few more eyeballs in. I think you can do a few more fun things. I would like to see the All-Star game go outdoors. From the text line at 960-960. Love the skills competition and always watch it. Rarely watch the actual game. That's fair. Would love the draft to be brought back. Have someone like Jack Hughes or Trevor Zegris as captains. I think that would be an interesting wrinkle. Make the two youngest guys the oh. captains. <laughs> put them, get, let the young guys put the heat on the vets. Put yeah. them on the other side. See Sidney Crosby, for example, sweating it out because Trevor Zegris may or may not pick him at some point. Yeah. I like that idea. And to be honest, a lot of the young guys coming in these days have the most personality. So totally tie it in. Yeah. Um, I think it would be fun to, you would have to have the right coaches for it. I think the coaches making like torts, making the picks, he'd be miserable. He would hate all-star yeah. weekend, but tort like having a coach make the picks. Uh, if they treated it with the proper gravitas, I think it would be fun. I think he's not going to be there this year or again, maybe, but Bruce Boudreaux making the picks, I think would be so much fun. Um, I think Daryl's dry humor would make it pretty funny. Um, I, I think like this just do anything that's fun with this, right? Like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's the All-Star game. It's supposed to be fun. Owen Nolan didn't call his shot and score be- for a competitive advantage in anything. He did it because it was freaking cool. So just do that. couple more suggestions. Have the last player drafted make the next pick. That'd oh. be interesting. So you'd be rotating yeah. through, quote-unquote, captains. The last guy gets to pick the next guy. Here's something for the skills competition I want to run by you. This comes in via the text line at 960-960. Need to invite proper people for skills. Stone as the hardest shot, for example. Where are you on that? You're already fired up about it. Yes, 1,000 times yes. I, like, you look at any other skills competition that there are, I guess, 
The home run derby, do they have to be all-stars? I don't think they do. I'm going to defer to you on this one. Uh, maybe. I, I can't remember, but slam dunk contest, you certainly don't need to be an right. all I can't remember the last time an all-star was in the slam dunk contest. Same thing with the three-point shootout. Jason Capona, one of the great three-point shootout guys, never an all-star, but still in that. I could not agree more with this thing. Like, we have... So many guys who would be fun to see ripping around in the the fastest skater. Or like you said, like a stone in there for the, the hardest shot. He's not going to be an all-star, I, with all due respect. Um, I, I think it would be so much fun to have those guys. Instead of the guys with the hardest shots from the group of all-stars, have them go like that. And like each team does a skills competition day at some point. I think it would be fun to have those be like preliminaries, the, be like the qualifying <laughs> round for the, uh, for, for the all-star game. I, I think that would be kind of fun as well. I don't know who owns the rights to Marty Furt, the old Halifax Mooseheads player, but a couple seasons ago in the AHL all-star game, he hit 109.1, I believe it was. Oh, so just call him up. Yeah. Call him up real quick. Send him in. Right, exactly. Put him up <laughs> against Michael Stone and let them just launch rockets. Oh, man. <laughs> Be the reverse John Scott. Like, we are calling you up specifically for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of sending you down specifically to avoid it. That That is the best suggestion we have had so far. Um, I like this one. We need to have it like an outdoor game for our picking teams. Just everyone puts their sticks in the middle. Um, I think that would be fun too. Like just complete random draw, just throwing them out everywhere. Yeah, one team has four goalies. Don't care. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily go that far, but I, and also goalie sticks are very easily identifiable. So right. we probably just throw one in each corner. And Not one. if you get a jerk doing the picking. I think that would... <laughs> There's no jerks. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. But then you have, like, Stuart Skinner playing uh, forward and blowing out his knee on a two-on-one, and then everyone thinks it's a bad idea all of a sudden. Another suggestion, which I won't get on board with, but I understand where this texture is coming from. Have Jack and Quinn Hughes as the captains. Go brother versus brother. That would be fun. You could even do, like, the TV personalities, like maybe, um, like, a P.K. Subban doing the draft. Like, someone who actually has some person there's some tv personalities i would not want anywhere near this thing but like a pk suban doing that i think would be fun just anyone with personality you can find um if it's if you want to have john ham do it then go for it if you want to throw 45 drinks into brett hull um and have him sing gloria while he's making the picks go for that i, I think there's a number of different ways you can go with it that it's just again at the end of the day this thing is supposed to be fun have bo horvat go out there and just switch uniforms midway through now he plays for the Metropolitan Division and all of a sudden has a breakaway. Like, just do anything to have it be just a blast. What if you put Bo Horvat in the breakaway challenge and then halfway through his skate, he does the old Hulk Hogan and rips off a Canucks <laughs> jersey and underneath is the New York Honors? Is that the easiest way to make this transition happen? It all goes. It all comes down. Bo Horvat, the last skater, going in, shoots the puck into the corner to give the Metropolitan Division a win. It's the heel turn for Bo Horvat. Uh, on the other uh, the heels of what was a very good Royal Rumble. I've seen people uh, calling for my opinion. I was going to say, let's transition. You yeah. got two minutes on the Royal Rumble. Have at her. I have like 20 seconds on the Royal Rumble. It was, uh, the, the Rumble was great. The two Rumble matches were a little bit predictable. Um, so the middle parts kind of dragged, but they were a lot of fun. The storyline at the end with the bloodline against Sami Zayn, if you are even remotely a wrestling fan, go out of your way to find this and get caught up. It has been art 
what they have been doing with Roman Reigns and uh, Sami Zayn. So that is my quick synopsis of the um, of the, the WWE's Royal Rumble. I'm very much looking forward to the road to WrestleMania. Uh, this has been your Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com. This was fun today. We should do it again tomorrow. I think we should. Uh, I'm I'm down. Are you good? I sure I'll be here. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so once again, I'm Peter Klein from Daily Hive, Game Over Calgary, and Couch Potato Diary. You can find me on social media. I'm at Primetime Klein. Uh, Mr. Vickers, you have a laundry list of things going on as well. Where can people find you? They can find me right where they can find you at Daily Hive on Twitter at AA Vickers or NHL.com. In the coming days, we will be running my conversation with Brad for Living. Uh, so the big news of the day, Bo Horvat is now a New York Islander. We will be doing Flames report cards, assuming Brock Besser doesn't get traded tomorrow. Um, we also have some Calgary Wranglers talk on the program. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I do greatly appreciate all the kind words on the text line. Uh, this has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.